Good morning. Uh, welcome to Providence Medford Grand Rounds for January 2022, a practical approach to the patient with falls. Today, we're fortunate to have two local caregivers who are passionate about reducing fall risk. Uh, Dr. Subetcha Shaw is a family physician at Medford Family Practice. She graduated from Tribhuvan University Teaching Hospital in Kathmandu, Nepal, and completed her family medicine residency at Altru Health System in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And she was in the first cohort of the Providence Geriatrics Mini Fellowship in 2018. Uh, Ryan Tierney is a neurophysical therapist specializing in fall prevention and other neurologic dysfunctions and their impact on mobility and independence. Ryan is originally from New York and found his passion for movement as medicine in his own personal yoga practice. Now a practicing physical therapist, Ryan has been advancing his clinical practice with continuing education with a passion for vestibular disorders and stroke recovery. Dr. Shaw, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Webb. Um, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Grand Rounds. Um, I am Subhash Shah. I'm a family medicine doctor, and I practice at Providence Fam Medford Fam Family Practice. Um, today, I chose the topic of practical approach to patient with falls, and let me give you a little background on why I chose this topic. As Dr. Webb said, I did the geriatric mini fellowship, and I was the first cohort. And before I did my geriatric uh, mini fellowship, I was managing patients with falls. If they had fracture, I would manage that. I would refer to orthopedics. If they had concussion, I would manage that. If they were falling a lot, they were on anticoagulation, I would manage that. So I was managing, I was doing a whole lot of things for my patient with falls. But now when I um, look back, I was managing the outcomes of falls. I was not managing fall itself. I was not trained to do it and I was not aware how to do it. So, so that's why I thought this might be a good topic to go over how we manage patients with falls. I have no financial disclosures. And the objectives for today's presentation is introduction to fall. Uh, we will discuss about multidisciplinary approach for fall management and discussion of fall risk screening. What is a fall? Anyone inadvertently coming to rest on the ground or a lower level, but not due to trauma or other overwhelming medical event. This is called a fall. So my patient the other day, she was telling me and she emphasized quite a bit that she's not falling, but she said that she has this incidence where when she's squatting to reach things from the lower cabinets in her kitchen, she sways and falls on her bottom. Uh, bottom. So, so that is clinically a fall, but my patient was trying to emphasize that that was not a fall because when we think of fall, we think of a big traumatic incident, but technically coming to a lower level is a fall when you're not wanting to come to that the lower level. So fall is very common. It is, um, as a matter of fact, more way more common than what we think. 30 to 40% of 65 and older adults who live in the community, they fall every year. 50% of patients who live in long-term care facility, they fall every year. 
once you fall, your risk of falling increases by twofold. And only one in four patients who fall, they bring it up to their PCP and have a discussion. And there is a lot, many reasons for that. Um, for many patients, they think that fall is an, um, a part of normal aging. Um, some people may not be aware what can be done if they are falling, what can be done to stop that. Or there is the fear of falling. There is the fear of losing their independence. There is stigma attached to the fall and they don't want to discuss about it. Or many a times they fall and they don't even realize that what they are having is actually a fall. So the number that we see in the clinic, the number that we see in the emergency department is just the tip of the iceberg. Fall is a healthcare crisis. It is actually becoming a big healthcare crisis. Falls are the leading causes of injury death for, for patients 65 and older. Every 20 minutes, an older adult dies from a fall-related cause. If you look at these fall-related deaths, the number has increased by 163% since 2000. Fall is very costly. Now let's look at different costs of a fall. There is a financial cost to, um, to a fall. Um, the ED visits, the hospital admission, their surgical procedure, and if they have to go to a SNF after the hospital stay or they're coming home with the home health with more caregiving needs, these are all healthcare costs. In 2018, they came up with the number that we spend about 50 billion annually on fall-related cost, healthcare costs. I bet with the number of falls rising, the cost, the money that we're spending, the healthcare dollars that we're spending in falls are increasing sharply. And the big part of the, the, the fall is the personal cost of falls. And usually this is what I discuss with my patient, is what do you lose when you fall? The big risk is loss of independence. You may need to go to care to a nursing home facility 60% of the nursing home facility admissions happen after a fall. There is also, they might need more increased, um, more caregiving needs. And the big thing is they develop the fear of falling. So fear of falling is once you fall, you're so scared of falling that you restrict your mobility, you restrict your activities, and you that it hampers your quality of life, that hampers your mobility, you are, and that leads to more deconditioning, more immobility, and at the end, increasing the risk of fall. So whenever I'm talking to my patient about falls, I make them aware, like especially the patient who are living in community, they're living by themselves, they're independent. They're, they're, there's a lot that they can lose if they fall. And, and um, that's one of the way I try to motivate my patient about um, doing something about their risk for falling. Fall is multifactorial. So there's a lot of risk factors for falls. And um, one of the way that we can look at this risk factor is intrinsic, like the risks associated related to the patient itself and the extrinsic, the environmental risk factors. Um, and the fall happens when there is a compromise in these risk factors. The other way of looking into the fall risk factors are what are the modifiable risk factors, the, the risk factors that we can work on, and what are the non-modifiable risk factors. 
The good news is that there are more modifiable risk factors for falls compared to the non-modifiable. So gait, strength and balance, that has direct, um, those are the direct risk factors for falls. A lot of times um, I simply ask, um, how do you think your balance is compared to last year or compared to our previous appointment? Um, how, how strong do you feel now, especially if they are healthy enough and I am seeing them annually? Um, I ask them, how do you feel um, your balance is compared to the last year? Sensory deficit is the another um, risk factor for falls, especially patient with neuropathy, uh, with uncontrolled diabetes with neuropathy they have uh, increased risk of falls. Um, so with these patients who have, um, so foot checks is a big part of my fall appointments. So asking them if they feel numb in their feet or if they have any paresthesia in their feet and how often do they check their feet? So that's the other thing that I bring up with, with my patient. Um, alcohol is another big risk factor for falling. Alcohol um, affects your balance, it affects your gait, it affects your cognition, affects your judgment. So, um, and the other way that alcohol can affect, uh, increase the risk of falling is um, because of its interaction with, with different medications. So that is there. Um, the other big thing is the medications. Um, as we know, our older adults, they are on multiple medications. Um, multiple medications that can directly affect their cognition, that can some of the medication can affect their balance. And some of the medication can affect their overall health and cause lead to fall. Like for example, patient uh, medications for diabetes or medications for hypertension, if their body is changing and, um, and they're with the age and with their changing um, constitution, our hemoglobin A1C does not have to be less than seven. Our goal is less than eight. So they could be on the same diabetic medications, but they but it's causing them to have these episodes of hypoglycemia and can cause them falls. So looking at the medication and same goes for the high blood pressure medication, hypertensive medications as well. So so one of the things that I do with my older adults where I'm concerned about falls is looking at their medications um, um, often. Um, the next uh, risk factor is the footwear. What kind of footwear do, do they wear? And, um, and having a discussion about them, about the footwear is also important. Um, usually my patient, um, especially in winter time, they like to wear the slip-ons they don't have a back and they have a smooth sole. And those slip-ons have been found to increase the risk of falling. So I talked to them about always wearing shoes that has a back and has a good grip. Um, so, and, um, and we talk about assisted devices, if they are using any assisted devices or not. And um, if they are using the devices, if they feel feel steady when they are using the devices or if it's time to graduate from a cane to a walker. Um, so those are the things that we talk about. Um, and also the the other big thing that I discuss the risk factors is um, the home safety. Um, so if they have if their house is cluttered or not, if they have loose carpets or not, if their bathrooms have grab, ba grab bars um, to hold on to as they're coming out of the shower, if they have night lights. 
So there is a whole checklist of home safety, and um, I go over that with my patient. Um, and also if for my active patient who are who go out for walks and um, who enjoy being out in the neighborhood, talking to about talking to them about the neighborhoods, if the sidewalks are are abrupt or not, and and making them aware that sometimes fall can happen while you're walking in the neighborhood and just to be aware of that. And while they are walking outside, looking at 10 feet distance, so you're scanning your your sidewalk and and um, or whatever you're walking. Um, the other thing that that is a risk factor is your bladder. So a lot of times um, uh, my patient complain they have to wake up multiple times at night to go to the bathroom and they often have to rush to the bathroom or even in the daytime if they have to rush to the bathroom. So that increases the risk of falls and, and bladder health is one of the things that, that we have to address when we are talking about minimizing the fall risk. Now let's uh, talk about non-modifiable risks. What are the non-modifiable risks? Age is a non-modifiable risk with age. Um, there are certain uh, body changes that happen that can put us at a higher risk of falling. Um, and then the age-related changes like your uh, your muscles, your 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 joints, your proprioceptions are not as great as they used to be. Um, so that's there. Chronic conditions, um, they are non-modifiable, but they can be managed to a certain extent. Like for an example, I was talking about hypertensive hypertension, and if they are on hypertensive medications, at times they could be causing orthostatic hypertension. So even though it's non-modifiable, it can be modified to a certain extent by changing the medications or a different approach to, to managing it. Acute illness increases the risk of falls, but um, that can also be, be managed. Cognitive deficit is um, definitely that increases the risk of falling. Um, with, with the cognition deficit, especially with dementia, you lose that um, spa spatial um, orientation and that increases the risk of falls. And also if you have patients with dementia, they um, they struggle with following the directions and um, they just forget to use their assistive device or things like that. So there are many, in many ways that the cognitive deficit can increase the risk of falls. Um, that's there, but there are different things that we can do to minimize the risk, uh, the risk for falling in patients with cognitive deficit as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that in, um, in a bit. So these are the modifiable and the non-modifiable risk factors for falls. So fall is multifactorial. So to manage fall, we do need a multidisciplinary team. And this is the biggest take home message that I want for my audience to go home with, that fall needs a multidisciplinary team. As a provider and just working by myself, I am not able to manage a, a fall patient and give a comprehensive care to my patient at a high risk of falling. This is a busy slide, so um, so I will take you through the slide. So here, when you look at the slide, I am at the center. I am the provider who is seeing patient for either a fall risk assessment or I'm seeing them for fall focused visit. And on the yellow here, this is my team in the clinic. 
I work at a medical home, so my so I have PharmD, um, NQS, RNs, case manager, MAs. Of course, we have MAs in the team. Most of the um, primary care team in Southern Oregon are medical homes, so you so the providers have all the support in the in the clinic itself. So let's talk about my team in the in the clinic and how they help me out managing patients with falls. So PharmD, they, they are a very um, important part of uh, the fall management, um, fall management um, team. So if I see a patient on high risk medication, their risk of falling or they're already falling, and I look at the med list and I see, well, they need to be on this medication and how, how do I manage that? Or I look at a medication list of a patient and I'm feeling overwhelmed already. I send, I consult my PharmD. The way he 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 helps me with these patients are they, he lists the high risk medication, and along with that he gives me a taper down or tapering off plan. He also gives me um, an alternative, safer alternative that I can put on my put my patients on. So so that's how he helps me out with with these with the patient. My case manager, so if I have a high fall risk patient who are cognitively um, deficit, they are struggling cognitively, or they are very frail and they are falling, or I see patients who have uh, what I'm concerned about their um, their um, social environment, um, then I do consult my case manager. I had a patient who was falling a lot and been working with her for a long time to improve the risk of fall. Um, to improve the falling and um, it was just not happening until the, the case manager from the home health services visited her house and she found that her freezer was stocked with alcohol. That's how that's how we found out that we needed to address uh, her drinking and she was not coming forth with that. Um, the other important, very important part of my team here in the clinic are my, um, is my RN. So with my RN, I do either fall risk assessment or I do fall focus visit. So she does the history, she does the chart digging, she gets all the information on bone scan or if they are taking vitamin D or not, their footwear, their glasses. They, she gets all those informations and, um, and then I go in, I do my exam and I do whatever I plan for the patient. So she helps me with the shared visits um, for the falls. My MAs, um, she helps me out with, <clears throat> um, with especially with the fall screening. So if she's rooming somebody who is, um, who just happened to bring up about fall or if, they're if they are complaining of uh, dizziness or, or they walk down the hall and she's concerned about their gait. So what she would do is she would hand out the fall screening questionnaire to, to them. And um, that's how she helps me out. If they're complaining of dizziness, my MA does the orthostatic um, blood pressure before I go into the into the appointment, and um, that keeps me on time as well. The NQS um, had been very helpful um, in 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 um, running the fall classes before COVID happened. We had uh, fall classes running in my clinic every other month, and and she was um, in charge of running those classes. We were able to take it to the community as well, um, but that was all pre-COVID. She helped me out run um, 
a safer project, which is a fall related project. So this is my team in the clinic that I have and and um, they help me a lot to manage patient with falls. Now, when we look at the outer circle, the one in the green, so this is the, the different services that we have at Providence, and we are fortunate to have all these services in Southern Oregon. So this is home health services, the speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, pelvic floor therapy. Um, Ryan Cherney, he will be talking about these services and when we should be referring to these different, different um, services. So he will be talking about that. Now, the outer circle is different specialties. So the other day I had a patient, um, she was, um, she complained to me that, well, she didn't bring it up. So when I asked her about the fall or if she's feeling on, um, off balance, she said that when she wakes up at night and trying to go to the bathroom, she feels off balance. She said that years ago, heavy things were dropped on her feet. So she had some foot deformity on bilateral feet. And as long as she's wearing shoes, she's fine. But at night, as she's walking to the bathroom, she feels off balance and she even fell once. So I referred her to podiatry. So I will. So that's how they're going to help me with managing fall in this patient. Um, people who have cataracts, um, so making sure that people who have cataracts, making sure that they get checked and gets the cataract removed um, as early as possible. Um, if they haven't had their eyes checked, making sure that they get their regular eyes checked. And um, and so um, ophthalmology is, uh, is, is a specialty that we work very closely with. ENT, on the other hand, if my patients are complaining of dizziness and it's not orthostatic hypertension, it's not BPPV, then I do refer to them um, to the ENT a lot. Or even they are, if they are complaining of hearing loss, um, hearing difficulty, because that is another part of um, uh, the balance. So, um, so that's how I uh, utilize ENT services to manage falls. Cardiology, a lot of the medications uh, that we, that my patients um, are on um, with, with the changes in their body and um, that can oftentimes call, cause them to have hypertension and and whatnot so I do talk to my my uh, the cardiologist a lot um, about these medications um, and oftentimes if I'm seeing my patient in the clinic they are hypertensive I do uh, change the medication and I update the cardiologist that I change the medication. So this is an overview of the multidisciplinary team, and this is this is all the 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 people and and the the faculties and we need to be able to manage falls. So now let's talk about my role as a provider. What is my role? So basically, there are two roles: I'm screening the screening and management. So the, the way my appointments are set up is like. Um, fall risk assessment or I'm doing a fall focus appointment. So let's talk about screening. When is a good time to screen my patient? Anytime if they are complaining of falls or near falls, they have been in the hospital for a long time um, and I'm worried about deconditioning, that's, that's a good time. If they're complaining of change in function, things they're able to do before, now they're not able to do it. If they're complaining of dizziness, that's another time that I do fall screening. Medicare Wellness is um, is a very good 
um, a very good um, appointment to talk about the fall risk. The medical, uh, the Medicare questionnaire have a built-in fall risk screening already. So and if we are doing Medicare wellness, we are screening patients for fall risk. So that is when it's, it's done. Uh, we just have to make sure that when we do the fall screening, we do something about it. And I'm going to talk about that as well. Um, I have a lot of VA patients and uh, I don't do Medicare wellness with them, but um, but we make sure in the clinic, we have a workflow that we make sure that 65 and older that we do steady um, questionnaire for fall risk screening at least once a year. So my VA patient have the fall risk screening annually. So when it comes for the fall focus visit, um, usually that's done after a, a post fall. So that could be after an emergency visit or after a hospital stay, or if my patient or family member is complaining that they fell, then we do this fall focus visit. So history, physical, and then referral, those are the main parts. The biggest part that I want to emphasize is a follow-up exam. Uh, fall is a chronic condition and it needs to be it needs to be addressed in a longitudinal fashion like any other chronic illness. So um, if I'm seeing somebody for fall, then I do schedule them for a follow-up appointment. Um, so if I'm doing a fall screening appointment and if, if I'm taking any intervention, then I schedule an appointment. If they are low fall risks, I'm just um, doing some education and whatnot. I do make sure that they understand what are the potential risk factors they have, and then I follow them up when I see them annually in their another medical uh, Medicare wellness exam. Fall risk assessment visit and um, how are they helpful? The I think the, the biggest thing that has helped me is I have normalized the conversation about falls with my patients, so it's nothing stigma attached to it. We talk about falls like any other conditions, and and um, and with these falls, fall screening appointments, or um, it helps my patient to understand what are the risk factors for falls, so what are their risk factors for falls, and what can be done about them. Um, so that's there. I make them aware that if they fall, their risk of falling increases by twofold. And um, and I have enough time to work or to to do any intervention. Um, and 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 that's there because my patients are not right at the moment where they're falling. They're more receptive to to my information um, about how we can avoid falls. Um, and simple education. Through simple education, I can prevent unnecessary falls. Um, so that's there. The other big thing about the fall risk screening is that because I'm working on the preventative aspect, I have a lot of time, um, like in terms of the longitudinal time. So all the education does not have to happen in that particular appointment. I have time that I can do some education on this appointment. When I see them, I can touch base on some other some other risk factors, some other education. So it 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 does it gives me more time, and I don't feel rushed on um, or pressurized when I'm when I do this fall risk screening appointments. And then also this gives me time to look at if the other comorbidities like depression, how is the depression, osteoporosis, and, and um, all the other things as well. So this is a steady questionnaire. Um, steady stands for stopping elderly um, accidents, accident, deaths, and injury. 
And um, so it's basically asks if you have fallen in the past or not uh, in the last year. How many times have you fallen? Do you worry about falling or not? And then if the, the answers are positive, um, the screening is positive, then it opens um, the rest of the other questions where it's basically going at different risks for falling. So your gait and balance, your, um, um, your um, bladder health, if you're rushing to the bathroom or not, it talks about medication, its side effect, it talks about comorbidities, like if you're feeling depressed or not. So, uh, there, so this is very helpful. It's kind of very comprehensive. And this is a simple questionnaire. Usually my patient can fill this out while they are waiting for me, so it's not time consuming as well. So let's see, we did the study. Now, what do we do with the scores? So, so we did the study scoring and the score came as from zero to three. So that puts them at a low risk, a low risk. So what do we do with these patients? So again, it's then we have to focus more on their education. If there is some risk factor that I have identified, then I work, I intervene that risk factors or I give, or I um, um, always um, talk about being active and some balance exercises. I can give them handout on, on community balance classes. Um, so that's there. So if the risk factors come from four to eight, so that is the medium risk. And this is the, the population where if we intervene, we get the, the most result out from it. So this is our focus should be on the patient with the medium risk. So um, I'm seeing somebody, we did the study score, it came in the medium risk, then what do I do? I do their gait assessment, I do their orthostatic hypertension, I look at their medication list. So these are the three things that needs to be done right then at that appointment. And depending on what the risk factor is, if they are having um, hypertension, I adjust their medication, I look at their medication if they're on multiple, um, if they are on multiple, high-risk medication, I refer them to PharmD. If I'm worried about their gait imbalance, I refer them to physical therapy. And, um, and I do the checklist. I run through my checklist of uh, risk factors and then education depending on what the risk factor is. And, and uh, most important things, I do schedule them for follow-up. The next group is when the steady score is nine and higher. That's called the, the highest steady score. And um, so usually when patient gets to this point, we're looking at either cognitive impairment or we're looking at frailty. So, so the usual intervention may not be enough for them. So then we are looking at palliative care or hospice care or case manager referral for these patient. Now let's talk um, about the fall focus visit. So of course a fall focus visit happens after a patient has fallen and we do the steady score. Um, and um, the history is mainly about, we talk about the fall itself, the incident itself. Uh, what were they doing when they fell? What was the location? What time of the day they fell? And how many hours after they took their last medication? Were they able to get up after they fell or not? If they had any symptoms before they fell? If they had any injuries after they fell? So these are the, in the, the history about the, the falling incident itself. And then, and then after that, um, I go over the checklist of the risk factors and what were the risks for, for that patient to fall. So talking about their medication, their alcohol use, and your, their glasses, their footwear, assistance device, home safety. So I talk about, um, I go over the whole checklist of risk factors.
In the physical exam, so I do evaluate their gait. I look at their functional strength and I look at their balance. Ryan Tierney will discuss more about this, this physical exam uh, when he is presenting. The other big part of the exam is <clears throat> testing for the key muscle group. So these key muscle groups are your knee extension, your hip flexion, and your ankle dorsiflexion. So I check for um, the muscle strength and, and, and also look for muscle atrophy. And I we should always be looking at their feet and their footwear inspection. So now let's talk about what's the, the diagnostic, the labs and imaging that I order for falls. So, um, so for fall prevention, um, thyroid B12, vitamin D, bone density, that's there. And depending on after the post fall, we are looking at CVC, CMP, if I'm worried about head injury, CT, MRI, and if I'm worried about um, the cardiac causes, then halter and echocardiogram. So this is the Providence evolving approach um, for fall risk assessment and, and fall management. Um, Providence Senior Health at Portland, they are trying to standardize how we take care of our fall patients. And this is, this is basically what we have already discussed. So it is based on the steady score. If they are the medium fall risks, then making sure that we did the gait evaluation, orthostatic evaluation, and the medication review. Uh, one of the things that they that to standardize and so that it's easy for them to follow is like when we're doing the fall risk assessment, we have to put the fall risk assessment as a visit diagnosis. If I am doing a fall focus visit, then I put a patient at the medium risk of fall or high fall risk in the visit diagnosis and also in the problem list. So that's there. This is the SharePoint that we have um, um, uh, from um, Providence Senior Health, and this has a lot of resources. It has templates for fall risk assessment uh, visit. It has template for um, for the fall focus visit. It has after visit for patient with low fall risk or high fall risk. It has printouts for exercises for balance. It has printout for um, for um, for the, the home safety checklist. So you, it has printout that we can print out and give it to the patient. So this, this, this page is very resourceful. And I just wanted to show it to you that we all have this um, um, available to all of us. Now, before I end, um, I would like to share my experience about um, managing falls. This last couple of years that I have started managing falls, um, what I have realized is that patients who are falling or who are not even falling, but they feel like their balance is not so great, they live in the constant fear of falling. Um, and, um, and this is not a happy state to be in if you're under the constant fear of falling. And as I'm managing this patient and I'm seeing them over a span of several months, sometimes up to a year, and I'm doing managing, adjusting their medication, doing physical therapy, doing a lot of things, and I'm seeing them um, appointments after appointments, and usually there comes a point where they overcome, overcome their fear of falling, and that's a point of transformation for the patient. And when I, when when that point comes, when you get to when we get to that point, I realize that my patients are more confident, they are much happier, and they're very thankful for um, for managing the falls. 
and those appointments are very fulfilling and they're very special. So for the providers who haven't done this yet, um, I would encourage you to give it a shot. It's worth all the effort. And with this, I conclude my presentation. If you have any questions, we'll answer them at the end. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Shaw. That was great. Um, next, we'll have Ryan Tierney presenting from the physical therapy perspective. And uh, for those in the audience, if you have any questions, or you're thinking about any questions, you could go ahead and type them in the question chat and we'll get to those at the end. Let's see. Ryan, are you ready? Yes. Is my content visible? We see your content. We also see your slideshow to the left, which is acceptable. Yep. Let me figure that out. There you we go. go. Is that better? Got it. Okay. Yeah. Great. Take it away. Thank you, Dr. Webb. So as Dr. Webb mentioned, I'm Ryan Tierney. I'm a neurophysical therapist in Southern Oregon. And today I'm actually looking to offer you guys some mobility exercise and therapy interventions for your patients who are at high fall risk in the clinic at that time. So just coming back to this slide, which was a slightly different slide that Dr. Shah mentioned earlier, we want to consider falls like a chronic condition that takes a team to manage. So at the center, we have you guys, the primary care providers, surrounded by your team in the clinic. But then I want to say that that's surrounded by other healthcare providers that can help play an integral role in helping to reduce fall risk. So for many of you, if you have a patient who's at high risk for falls, physical therapy may be a logical referral. But I want to point out that there are other disciplines such as speech and occupational therapy that can also help in their assessment and intervention for these patients as well. We want to consider these, especially in patients with cognitive impairments or those having trouble with ADLs, both of which can increase fall risk significantly. We also want to consider in-clinic home health services, especially for those patients who are considered homebound or have trouble mobilizing or patients that would benefit from more home-specific training. So example would be patients with dementia. And home health, as you guys know, can be nursing care, or other therapies. And if you're not sure who to refer to, we as physical therapists tend to be the first therapist that's brought on board when it comes to these patients with falls. So we find that we're often helping to triage these patients and determining their need for speech, occupational therapy, home health, or a more specific type of physical therapy such as pelvic floor or vestibular specific um, to address these patients in a more comprehensive approach. So if you feel like you're at a loss, just refer to physical therapy here and we have time to really get into the grit with these patients and figure out what would benefit them. So yeah. So kind of going back to who to refer and who's appropriate for physical therapy to reduce fall risk. So using the study as a tool to determine that is a fantastic way to determine who's appropriate. So anyone who's considered a medium to high risk faller is appropriate or anyone who's had a recent fall or a recent pattern of falls. 
And then if we look more specifically at questions two through seven on the study, they tend to be more mobility related. And so anyone who's having difficulty with these aspects, i.e. turning like putting hands on furniture, walking around the house, pushing up with their hands when they stand from a chair, um, having trouble stepping on a curb, using an assistive device. Those patients are also, if they answer yes to any of those questions, super appropriate for referral. And then you want to think anyone that can benefit specifically from one-to-one -one instruction or feedback or needs more time than you may have in a clinic to discuss their fall risk and how they can change it, that would be someone who's also appropriate for referral. Because we think about some of these patients that as primary care providers you see a few times a year, they could be people that we see a few times a week. So being able to really delve into that one-to-one -one instruction and feedback and ensure that they they're really learning and getting what they need to get. And then we want to think more specifically, any of these patients with more specific conditions that either increase their fall risk, increase their risk of injury, or impact their ability to participate in exercise safely. So for example, we talk about patients with cognitive impairments who are uh, having difficulty and with their mobility or with activities of daily living or may need more caregiver support, that's a great referral. Anyone who is experiencing pain or other comorbidities that are affecting their exercise ability, which causes them to be more sedentary and thus at higher risk for fall. We think about those experiencing urge incontinence or pelvic floor issues, which we can provide intervention for. Those with vestibular issues, we think of the vestibular system as one of the three major sensory systems for balance. So if you have patients coming in saying, I'm dizzy or I feel off or I'm experiencing disequilibrium, send them our way, that is something we can address. And then osteoporosis, we think of anyone who is experiencing that bone density disorder, who is at more injurious risk for falling. There are ways with exercise to keep those bones strong and prevent fall risk. So here, take a look really quick. There is a pyramid of exercise prescription and I'll go through that. So again, talking about more specifically who's appropriate for physical therapy. At the top, we have the medium to high risk fall patients who are appropriate, especially in the context of those needing more instruction, more severely imbalanced or having cognitive impairments. They are our bread and butter, these medium to high risk and medium risk, so please send them our way. We think of the medium risk as being slightly less at risk for falling, right? So they may not have the same severe imbalance. They may not have the cognitive impairment. They are tend to be more appropriate for physical therapy or adjunctive evidence-based exercise programs such as Tai Chi, okay? So Definitely consider a referral for these patients, but also consider community exercise classes as well. And then we don't want to ignore the low risk patients, right? In order to maintain their current low fall risk, they require intervention. But these patients don't necessarily need physical therapy intervention. They likely will benefit from more group or independent exercise classes. But again, if you're ever on the fence, consider a referral. We see patients like this some of the time and our plan of care might just be a few visits and a few exercises and we send them on their way. So these are the patients in order of who's most appropriate for PT intervention. 
So let's talk a little bit about exercise. So there are three main ingredients to exercise. There is an aerobic aspect, a strength aspect, and a balance aspect. And research suggests that a comprehensive approach, including all three of these, can be effective in reducing fall risk by up to 34%. That's huge. Um, and then I love up top, I just wanna stress this enough, we all have seen those patients that we ask about their daily physical fitness and they say we're walking. Walking is not enough, right? Walking does not satisfy all three ingredients and these three main ingredients are essential to a complete exercise program to reduce fall risk. Exercise dosing. So exercise is not a one and done thing. So for patients to benefit, they must participate regularly. Okay, and that's two to three times per week for a consistent period of time. Okay. I can't tell you the number of patients we've had in my therapy clinic that are known as repeat offenders that get better while in therapy. We discharge, they graduate, and then we see them six, eight months later, we check in and they say, oh yeah, I stopped exercising. I stopped moving around, right? So it needs to be consistent and progressive for patients to continue to benefit, okay? Research suggests that's two to three times a week for 12 to 16 weeks minimum to really see that, that benefit. And again, it must continue even beyond that. Another thing I wanna stress on this slide is that none of these three aspects, endurance or aerobic, strength or balance, are static, right? They can all be improved, but to be improved, they need that challenge, that progressive nature, right? And these things can all get better with work. So I wanted to go a little bit deeper into each of these three ingredients briefly, and this may feel a little simplistic, but uh, the endurance activity, that uh, first ingredient, we wanna think of aerobic exercise or any sustained movement that gets your heart rate up. And that is going to be different for each person, right? So there's no one prescription for all individuals. Something that gets um, your low level, low conditioned patient's heart rate up is gonna be very different than your high conditioned patient. So knowing what's appropriate and what's a challenge for that patient is what's going to be an endurance activity for that person. And some examples include walking, gardening, dancing, tai chi, swimming. I'd say for a majority of the patients that we see, walking is enough of an aerobic exercise to count as an endurance activity. And it's recommended 150 minutes a week or more. For many of our patients, that's a lot. Um, and I'd say about 90 maybe to 98% of the patients that I see in clinic are not getting that. And there's research to suggest that 80% of older adults are not getting the minimum recommended amount of exercise period. Uh, so encouraging endurance activity, this is one of the main ingredients. Next, we have strengthening. And strengthening, we wanna think of as anything that makes your muscles work harder than they normally do. And we don't think of it as a recommendation for time-based exercise. We think of it in a sets of repetitions. So we think eight to 12 repetitions, two to three sets. It's a simple way, simple metric to just remember. And some examples include weight training, body weight exercises, Pilates, yoga, Tai Chi. And I really wanna stress for, for functional balance to decrease fall risk, 
there are key muscle groups that we should be targeting with our strengthening exercises, and those include quadriceps, hips, and calves. And remember, these strengthening exercises need to get harder over time and be repetitive to continue to challenge the muscle tissue. And so like I mentioned, those muscle groups, quadriceps, hips, and calves, are the key muscle groups that impact functional balance the most. Okay, rounding it out, we have balance training. So balance training is any exercise that challenges your balance or coordination. Examples including yoga and Tai Chi. We see a lot of older adults stop doing challenging balance exercises as they age for fear of falling. But balance is one of those things, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't challenge it, it won't get better. And Tai Chi and yoga are fantastic examples of balance coordination exercises that actually combine some endurance and uh, strength. So if that's appropriate for that patient, that is a fantastic thing to recommend. I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to my OT folks. So considering an, a consult to occupational therapy, um, what do they do, right? What is their goal or role in patients with falls? I see that they're very underutilized for things like cognitive assessments to help determine how safe that patient is for their functional level of assistance or independence. They are adept at providing compensatory strategies for cog or visual impairments and helping to modify patients' ADLs or IADLs or recommend equipment for the home. They also are very skilled at performing home safety assessments that Dr. Shah kind of mentioned a little bit earlier. And so a home safety assessment, OTs are actually more efficacious at performing these than any other therapeutic discipline. Um, and that's supported by research. And so if that is something you're considering, considering a referral to OT to go over that, because some statistics I wanna go over with patients who wanna stay in their home and home safety interventions, this was shocking to me to see that home safety interventions, like a home safety assessment by a skilled therapist, um, can actually help reduce fall risk from 11 to 34%. That is huge, right? Just for that one intervention, we can reduce that fall risk, especially with the number of falls going up inside the home. And then just some statistics about older adults and where they wish to spend time. Um, more, a majority of older adults haven't changed their residence in the past 20 years, and even more expect to live in their current home for the rest of their lives. And it's nice to see, but 62% would actually like to see services that help them stay in their homes, right? Home modifications, repairs, things that make their home safer. So just another ploy or another uh, shout out, use your occupational therapists. Um, and if not, we may ask you to. Dr. Shah kind of uh, mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I want you to take a look at this slide and see the vicious cycle that comes with falling and the resulting increased fall risk. So we see this in clinic all the time. Patients have a fall. With that, they become sometimes irrationally afraid of falling, which causes them to limit their activity, which impacts their ability to easily move about, which causes more isolation, they don't do as much, which results in loss of physical fitness because they're not using their body, they're not mobilizing as much. 
which then informs the fear of falling, the activity limitations, and so on and so on and so on. And so this cycle is actually informs why two thirds of fallers continue to fall. So how can we break this cycle? Talking with our patients, normalizing fall risk, education, encouraging that discussion with the healthcare team, encouraging patients to remain mobile and exercise, addressing personal risk factors, and intervening, providing some sort of intervention. The mobility or physical exam, as providers, you have your physical exam that includes things like we touched on, strength, sensation, range of motion, coordination. Dr. Shah touched on some of these more functional outcome measures that I'd like to discuss. So we have the sit to stand and the timed up and go, which provide you with some valuable data and information on which in that moment, you're likely to be able to provide some intervention. Um, they can also give you a clear sense of how that patient functions outside of your office instead of the snapshot you're seeing right there. And the timed up and go is a timed assessment that looks at the amount of time it takes for a patient to stand from a chair, walk 10 feet, turn around, return to the chair and sit. 15 seconds, greater than 15 seconds is a great cutoff for considering a patient being at risk for falls. Okay, simple, easy, quick, dirty exam. Sit to stand can be used as a simple observation tool or a timed assessment, which is the five time sit to stand, where you assess the time it takes for a patient to stand up and sit down five times. Um, we look at greater than 12 seconds for that being a cutoff for increased risk for falling. And just a little note on this, that is typically done with, without upper extremity support, but can be modified for the patient. Um, and then gait, uh, we see someone walk into our clinic or we're doing the timed up and go and we look at their gait, we see antalgic gait from pain, we see shuffling, inconsistent step length or increased sway. That's great information to have that can help provide some guidance either on intervention in that moment or referral to another discipline. And then I'm not gonna go super deep into this because Dr. Shah did a fantastic job outlining this, but again, there are twice as many modifiable or about as there are non-modifiable fall risk factors. And we as fall physical therapists who specialize in falls are actually able to touch on every single one of these modifiable fall risk factors, whether that's medication management, assisting with that, or recommendations for caregiver support, obviously exercise, assistive device, footwear. So if you think your patient could benefit from some intervention to modify some of these and it's appropriate for a PT, please send them our way. Okay, speaking of modifiable, what can I do right now? So you're in your clinic, you have a patient come in and you're afraid to let them walk out. That happens to us uh, way too often. Um, what are some things you can do right now? We might consider an assistive device recommendation. Okay, and that, that can be quite a murky or confusing uh, path to go down with a patient in one session to figure out what device is perfect for that person, right? But we might want to consider a front-wheeled walker, also known as a two-wheeled walker, because they don't require much skill or technique for proper sequence to operate the device correctly. Um, in the hospital, an inpatient here, when the patients are mobilizing for the first time, we give them a two-wheeled walker. It's the standard device that we give them because it is so user-friendly. Uh, 
I would want to just send a send a quick note to try to avoid a four wheeled walker if you can, um, because they require a little bit more technique. They are way more mobile and less stable for patients, and it takes more than one session to determine if that's appropriate for that patient. And then, of course, kind of made it a little joke. Everything he says and refer to PT, but obviously refer to PT as this may not be the best device for that patient to maintain their independence. Okay, exercise. In the moment, give them an exercise. There is no catch-all exercise that will benefit all patients. I know that sucks, um, but you want to consider a strengthening exercise, especially one that's safe for that patient to do at home. So considering their cognitive uh, abilities and their safety awareness. Uh, again, touching on those target key muscle groups that we talked about, the quads, calves, the hips. So we may think of the sit to stand exercise, modifying it however we need heel raises, so having them hold onto a counter and lift their heels, uh, standing hip abduction, raising a leg out to the side, bridges, clamshells. These are all exercises that we can do in clinic and make sure are safe for that patient to then take home, which will help or at least start reducing their fall risk. There are also for those lower risk patients, online Tai Chi classes, virtual classes, uh, less community classes now because of COVID, but again, a lot of that information can be found on the SharePoint. And then, of course, refer to PT as there are maybe more exercises that are beneficial for that patient that are more specific to their impairments. And then last thing you could do in this moment is um, these are just some ideas is the home safety checklist. So there's one on the SharePoint that's put out by the American Physical Therapy Association, and it actually goes room by room assessing potential safety hazards and provides suggestions for how to adapt or fix them. So this could be something you do with your patient in clinic. This could be homework you give with, to them with their caregiver. But again, thinking back to that 11 to 34% decrease in fall risk from the home safety assessment, making little changes in their home can have a huge impact. And then I really wanna stress, listen and observe your patients. You see someone come into your clinic and have trouble standing up from a chair, consider giving them a sit to stand exercise. Right? You see someone do the timed up and go or walk down the hallway and they're wildly unstable in their gait, consider recommendation of a walker. You hear a patient talking about their falls risk and how they have a crowded home or they trip over rugs or extension cords, provide the home safety check checklist and educate on that. Um, we see it here in clinic. Patients are essentially giving us what they need at times. So just observing and seeing and listening and then being able to prescribe one of these things. And so in summary, I really wanna stress that there are things you can do in that moment to help decrease this patient's fall risk. And for those of you who have patients who are um, more hesitant to do physical therapy because of financial ability or just understanding, um, a referral is never a waste of time for us. We uh, can always adapt to fit that patient's needs. Our plans of care are always collaborative so we take into account the patient's financial ability, their availability, amongst other things. And we also have financial assistance at the hospital. So I've had many patients that actually have paid nothing for therapy and been on 100% financial assistance, obviously, if they qualify. And so I included here, this is a uh, handout from the CDC uh, related to the chair rise exercise for strength. And this you can find there, exercise handout. But again, a lot of these exercises can be found on the SharePoint. Um, yeah, thank you for your time.
Thank you, Ryan and Dr. Shaw. Very informative. And um, we have one question so far, and it's a good one. Um, for home safety evaluation, is there a way to get that uh, to a patient if they don't qualify for home health? Um, and this provider says that's a major limitation for many of my patients. So that's a great question. So um, a home safety assessment doesn't actually have to be done in home health. We actually do them quite frequently here in outpatient. Uh, so considering a referral to outpatient, we can establish care and it may not be the first thing that we do, but it is something that we are completely capable of justifying to insurance of doing a home safety assessment if that patient is at risk for falling in the home. So great question. Um, I'd put in a plug here too for a, a local organization called Rebuilding Together Rogue Valley that will actually go out to the home, particularly for low-income seniors. Um, Can I touch on that for a sec? Yes. Because they're pretty amazing. Um, they'll do modifications that are difficult to perform, say in like a manufactured home or mobile home. Like they uh, are really skilled at how they provide their modifications. It's amazing. Right. Um, I had a question for Dr. Shaw. Uh, when do you work in the orthostatic blood pressures for your patients? Is it, it when you do the steady or bring them back for a specific falls visit? So for my orthostatic, so when, when they come in and they are complaining of dizziness, it's the MS do it while, while they after they room the patient. So it's it's built in. If they're complaining, anybody who complains of dizziness in our clinic, they, the orthostatic is already done. And so we have a workflow for that, so. All right. And um, I also wondered if you could uh, just briefly discuss the mini fellowship. So um, mini fellowship was a great experience. And um, so if I look at my, my panel, I mean, I don't have exact numbers, but I do see in the way the Rogue Valley in the Southern Oregon now, the, the population of older adults, they, it's increasing. And um, somebody just gave me this number, like in five years, they are expecting the older adult population to increase by 35%. So that means we're looking at uh, a change in our, on our spectrum of our practice, our panel. We're going to have more older patients in our panel and uh, they may not be so. And then also because we see them, they, they have so much going on. If I say look at my day to day schedule, I see a lot of older patients compared to my new patient because they are the one who need the most help. So my everyday interactions are with the older patient. A lot, a lot of my interactions are with them. And before I did my mini fellowship, um, it's a, I was limited on how I was going to help them out and with with the mini fellowship, uh, it, it made those appointments way easier. So I know Providence 